0: I think scaling is, at least when it comes to what I do, means finding the right people on the ground and then providing them with whatever they need.
1: Welcome to the Big Picture Blueprint. I'm your host, Dan Eberkos, along with Mason McDonald, and we're going to discuss all things land, real estate, and business in general with all kinds of exceptional people. Let's get started. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Big Picture Blueprint. I am one of your hosts, Dan Abercost, along with Mason McDonald, and we have an awesome guest for you today, but before I get into that, Mason, how you doing?
2: I'm doing wonderful, man. Was uh, in Dallas, Texas this past weekend, and it was 107 degrees, so uh, happy to be back in Colorado where it's not hotter than hell, and uh, I have mountains in my backyard, and we've been uh, trying to get our guest to move out here, Uh, and I know he spent some time, so it'll be... uh, It'll be a fun show getting to chat with Trevor um, and hear about what he's up to and um, see if by the end of the episode we can get him to move to Colorado with us.
1: Yeah, that that sounds like a plan. So quick intro for everyone. We have Trevor Probant with us today and Trevor's down in Texas doing huge land deals uh, along with quite a few other projects all over the country, I believe at this point, but I don't want to uh, uh, try and speak to that, so Trevor, how are you doing, man? Thanks for coming on.
0: (laughs) Good. Freaking hot here, yeah. If I didn't have children that are in middle school and soon to be in high school, then I would move, for sure. And like I said, being able to spend a month in Breck this year was exactly what we needed. My wife and I, we take the dogs for a walk, but it probably cools down every night and bitch and complain about how hot it is and how we hate being here so anyway whatever but um yeah man um yeah just just rocking and rolling um like i said born and raised out here in west texas my family had been doing the force appreciation game since the early 90s like they've done over 60 plus thousand acres of stuff and so but i wasn't smart enough to do that right off the bat and so it took me a little while but now i'm here and we've got stuff going and Arizona Arkansas Oklahoma multiple places in Texas and things like that but our, a lot of our stuff is like I said is uh force appreciation and so that's kind of where we're we're my little niche is and now we're doing even more stuff as far as actual development and that's where it's making me a little queasy Um some of the costs that it takes to build these roads and what these cities and counties and things like this, the rules and regs when it comes to engineering and all that, it makes me want to throw up on my shoes as far as how uncomfortable it is and things like this, but there's a lot of money to be made there.
1: Absolutely. And Trevor, can can you walk or or talk through what is a land deal for you? Your niche is unique. You know, a lot of people just think of a land deal as being buying and selling or putting a spec house there. So, what does is, what is a deal look like in your business today? Usually
0: my, my whole deal is I make unaffordable, non-trophy assets affordable. So that means, like, especially in Texas, but all across the country, right? Average price per acres have gone through the roof. I mean, we've seen a huge change in the last five years, but especially the last three years, right? Stuff that you could buy for, you know, 20000 bucks Now they're going for forty or 50000 bucks, right? Just as a flip. In a lot of these places and so what what that has done is that increased price per acre value has made larger tracks unaffordable for only the very richest of the rich okay mm-hmm. and so i come in and i buy a three million dollar place or a two million dollar place or a 1.5 million dollar place I turn those into assets that are anywhere from one hundred and fifty to five hundred thousand dollars, and there's multiple reasons for that. One, it stays over one hundred and fifty thousand bucks. Banks will lend on it, right? Especially if it's a good asset, it's got good access, water, power, things like this. And if it, the loan itself is under five hundred thousand dollars, the underwriting, the financial underwriting, is much less strenuous than uh, over five hundred thousand dollars. So you can go to your local capital farm credit or things like this. If you wanted to buy these tracks, it's a two to two and a half page application with two years of tax returns, um, for them to, to be able to get lending on those properties and versus an over $500,000. And they've got to do a deep dive into net worth, all kinds of fun stuff. And so that's kind of our, that's kind of our, our bread and butter. Um, here lately, um, we've been doing a lot more of that 150 to $200,000 tracks, especially in Texas, 10 to 20 acre tracks. Um, the reason we focus on that size and that price point is because most everywhere in the state, you'll, there's some things here, but usually you can keep ag exemption on your tax basis on anything over 10 acres. And so that's kind of... That's kind of what we do. So we'll like a uh, this deal that we just got done buying outside of College Station, Texas, where Texas A and M University's at. 130 acres, beautiful. Got a mix of big trees, creeks, pasture, things like this. We'll come in. We bought it for 1.2, so a little under. You know, was it 9,000 bucks an acre? where We also bought 50 of the minerals with it, which was kind of nice. Mm. um we're going to come in and spend $350,000 building roads, running power, things like this. And then we're going to cut those 100 acre or that 130 acres into approximately 10 lots. And so the price point on that will then go up to anywhere from 20 to 22,000 bucks an acre. So that's our whole game plan is we try to keep it affordable, right? So we're going to average around 200 to two hundred twenty thousand bucks per train so that's that's that is a our our most basic
2: forced appreciation play i love it i love it it's you know the i i think you've said it you know buy the ranch sell the pasture um to create a lot more opportunity based on what the actual demand is where you're you're increasing the supply in the market of you know, we're, we're about to do our first, uh, subdivide out in Phoenix. So I'll probably, uh, you know, pick your brain on it, you know, five acre, five and a half acre that we're subdividing into three individual one acre ones. And I also got one in my inbox in Tomball, Texas, uh, that might be a great project for you that I can send along, uh, your way. Um, I know college station is booming. Um, I grew up in Magnolia, Texas, which is, you know, 30 minutes down the road from college station. Um, and college yep. station is, is crazy. So that, that, that's a great deal, but that that's expensive, man. Um, do you have all that cash yourself, or how are you structuring these deals from a financing perspective?
0: Most of the time, what we do is we'll, we'll use a little regional bank for the purchase price, and then we raise what we raise is we raise all uh, capex ex- expenditures, down payment capex expenditures, plus one years uh, one year of payments. Both principal and interest, and then that's that's what we do. And so, as cash for improvements, we use anywhere from fifteen to twenty percent down for a down payment, and then we allow the big deal with that
2: is with the bank we make sure that they allow individual releases on the on the properties. So. W- how have you been able to establish that relationship with that bank? Because, you know, one, one of the big things in land and I think what hinders a lot of people from getting involved in the land space, whether it's the the flippers out there um, or the people that are attempting to do subdivides, whether it's on a larger scale, uh, kind of like what you're talking about or a smaller scale is the financeability of it. Um, so how did yep. you kind of go about developing that relationship with a bank where you're not having to put up, you know, 75% or 100% of the purchase price in all cash? Two
0: things. One, you find a local regional bank usually that has Texas State or Missouri Regional or whatever, right? You do not go to Bank of America. You don't go to these Wells Fargo. No one, I mean, you're just pissing in the wind, right? You're just wasting your time on that Mm stuff. You start a relationship, and more importantly, you have all your numbers, and your numbers make sense. If you have a good deal, right, and then you've got lenders around you, that are also willing to go on the note because there's no such thing as a non-recourse development deal y'all can just forget that right the only way you're going to do that is on an on owner a finance thing right like that's that's all all you're ever going to have if you're going to use a bank if you're going to use a financial institution you're going to have a recourse loan so just embrace it deal with it tough shit right if you don't if you're not willing to put your name online they're not willing to give you the money to get it done and that's fair because they're the ones that own that some bitch, not you. So, the big deal with that, talk to them. But the big deal is to make sure your numbers are correct, right? And then that's that's an opportunity to say, hey, you know, I've never done one of these, but I've got this guy, I've got this guy, my my team around me, my surveyor or my engineering firm, right? You already you've already built that relationship. You've already talked to, this is the broker that's doing this deal, right? They can talk to them about who you are and what you're doing. All of this is a team sport. You can't hide behind your computer in your Excel spreadsheets and send your text messages or send your effing whatever, right? Like letters. This is not, that's not how the game is done. It's not how it's done. It is a team sport. And you're going to have a whole lot of people on your team, right? Right? That you're going to have to build around that. And so that's the key when you're the weak link, even though you're the one with the hustle, you got to make sure the team around you. And then really, it's just based on your your numbers. If your numbers are good, they're going to lend on you, right? That's that's the key. I mean, that's true with all this shit, right? You, you know, I mean, same thing on a flip deal, right? If you can find a deal that's 40% of market value in a market that's hot, you'll find somebody to lend you the money same thing.
1: Well, and to that, to that whole, uh, conversation regarding the team, I, I think a lot of people, Trevor, they don't know anything about horizontal development, right? They, if they come across a big raw, actually raw, uh, a distinction we make on our podcast all the time, Mason, uh piece of land, who do you hire? Who do you, who do you have to, uh, contract with to turn that into a developed subdivision with roads and, and, splitting up the lots. What do you even do if you want to do that? I'll tell you the best way
0: to do that is going to be go to your probably county recorder, at least in my neck of the woods, right? Go to your county recorder and you're going to talk to them and say, Hey, I'm dipshit and I want to learn about all this stuff. Can you send me the, or can I look at the last two recorded subdivisions, two or three recorded subdivisions in the County, right? They're actually going to have that information And then you're going to look in that southwest corner, that left bottom corner, and they're going to have a stamp. And it's going to be a stamp of whatever engineering or surveying firm is out there. Then what you're going to do is you're going to use your personal skills and you're going to call that engineering firm. You're going to set up a meeting. And you're going to talk to them about what they do and how they do it, right? Now you have your engineering firm. And you may have to talk to two or three of them, right? Because what you want to do may not fit their what they want to do, right? I've got one group that loves doing 10 acres and above. If I talk to them about anything smaller, they just say, thank you, but go to hell, right? Like, they don't want to mess with the actual small lots. They hate it. And that's fine. Like, that's just, that's fine. I know who the other guys are. They're more of the engineering side, and they're not as much fun to work with, but, you know, one way or other. But go there, find out two or three of them, right, and talk to them. Another thing that you can do, even though the county commissioner or the city uh, commissioner, whatever whatever you want to call them, uh, city council members in your area that you're looking at, you can talk to them about, hey, you know, we've got, you know, I know that you're in charge of this area. Is there any, do you have a list of all the uh, engineering firms that bring these subdivisions to the court, Right. You can talk to them about that. They're not supposed to tell you, hey, I can't say anybody. But then you'll ask them, hey, what about this guy? And they'll be like, oh, uh, sure, right? Like wink at you like, yeah, they're probably pretty good. And then other ones, they'll, they'll say no. But that's that's the quickest way to know who's actually doing stuff in your neck of the woods and and start building a relationship there.
2: So for your company, what, what does your org ch- chart look like? And do you have any plans of, uh, potentially bringing any of these, you know, surveying groups or engineering firms in-house, um, or do you want to continue to contract through, through them?
0: Here, here's the trade-off, you know, because we looked at this a year ago, trying to bring on a guy who I I'll love to death and he's actually bringing me a deal later on today that we're going to look at maybe doing. The thing is, is all these counties have very specific rules and regs and all these people know who they need to pat on the back and who they need to kick in the ass. And so it doesn't scale very well. That's what sucks. Yeah. Right. It does. It sucks. If you, if you just wanted a, and I've thought about that again, like I said, I've thought about this, you know, hired a guy that's semi-retired, you know, a surveyor that's semi-retired that could run out there and mark off 35-acre tracks, if that's all you're doing, that's fine. But if you're going to have to go through the planning process
2: versus just a true beats and bounds, I don't think it scales very well. I think that's fair. And so, you know, on that, because I'm going to take this time, you know, selfishly, you know, we're we're doing this subdivide in Maricopa County, uh, Arizona, and what we've been told, it's an over-the-counter process, super easy process to get this done. Um, you know, and it's a small subdivision, so it's, you know, pretty simple. Do you have a tendency to target the counties that are really simple and really easy in these subdivide processes, um, to make it less of a pain in the ass from, you know, the management of the deal, or do you have a tendency to go for the more complex, um, or difficult areas because that's a reduction in competition or is it, uh, they're all getting
0: harder. They're all getting harder. They're all getting harder and harder and harder. And it's going to cost more and more money, especially in the state of Texas. Depending on the TCEQ and water, it is the fight that's going to get terrible. And so depending on where you're at... Real real quick, can you find that? Texas Commission of Environmental Qualities. They're also in charge of water in the state of Texas. Okay? There's been a lot of people that have come in and slice and dice all these properties and you, you know, again we mail to them all the time right paper subdivisions shit like that right they in the state of texas anyway if there's water underneath you you can pump it right And yeah, that's a big fight um colorado completely different there's no such thing as a asking for a water well permit if you get over an acre in the state of texas well usually over 10 acres you don't have to so if you get over 10 acres you punch as many damn holes as you want to right Here's the problem with that, because these companies that did slice and dice all this shit did not draw draw water wells, drill water wells, things like this, because you never know what you're going to get. Right, as far as who's going to want water one way or other. Because of that, there's a lot of these people that bought these tracks that drilled these wells, especially west of I-35. Right, a lot of these people that drilled these wells and didn't get any water. And so then, not the developer, but the county commissioner gets a phone call and screamed at. And then TCEQ gets a phone call and gets screamed at. Okay. Now, what they're making us do, depending again, depending on where you're at in the state, is you're now having to do what is called a water feasibility study. It's a, I think it's a 2008 piece of legislature stuff that they did with TCEQ. And what that means is depending on how many acres you have, you have to drill one water well and finish it, drill a second water well within, i can't remember how many feet of it it has to be, and then you do a test draw for 36 hours to make sure that there's enough water that they're not pulling all the water from the next adjacent property. Depending on where you're at, that's going to cost you anywhere from thirty dollars to $50,000 just for the hydrologist. Plus, you're going to have to pay for two wells, which could usually be another forty dollars to $50,000. So you're $100,000 into it on just two wells. One deal that we're looking at yep. out here was 258 acres. He needed four wells. It's going to be about $150,000 that we weren't ready for. So this rules and regs are going to come down. And so because of this, right? The more professional you are, the more capital you have behind you, it will cut down on competition, right? Going back to your question, Mason, it will cut down on competition. Um, I don't necessarily search them out, but I'm starting to, right? Where not every Susie Realtor can do this shit, right? Like that's that's the competition, right? Because a lot of these brokers that you talk to, they do exactly what we do. Right? They'll be like, "Oh, oh, you got it for Oh, they only want $500. You know, they want 500 bucks an acre less than the market. I'll buy it myself." Right? Which you're not really supposed to do, but whatever. Um so I say I like the 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 more stringent places, but not really I don't like them. I just think that there's more opportunity there. And then we'll continue to be there. So you might as well just get used to dealing with the shit, because it's, it's going to happen. Um, I think most people are going to continue to fly over, or you know, there's going to be a flight to easier deals. I'm going to be in Arizona all next week, looking at I guess, six deals over there, right? And I like it, I like Maricopa and things like that, because it is easy to do. Especially with your, there's multiple different ways of doing it, right? And yeah, I could come in and I could cut it into four parcels. I can sell one of them to Mason, then Mason can cut it into another four parcels. Right. And then we can all be part of that. Like there's, there's lots of cool stuff there, but there's also everybody else, their dog knows that shit too. So anyway, well, and I, that's, I think that's my, that's my two things.
2: No, I, I appreciate it. Um, you know, and I think you're hitting on a point that Dan and I have been talking about a lot, which is water and, you know, in Colorado and Arizona, um, you know, they, they did a moratorium a little bit, a little while ago in Phoenix on, you know, new water taps and everything just because of, uh, yeah, I think it was, you know, middle Eastern money coming in and, you know, just paying tons of money for water rights for agricultural land for corn. Um, and so there's so many things that you need to be aware of from a macro perspective related to what's going on in your individual markets. Um, Dan, you looked like you were ready to jump in and say something.
1: Yeah, I just want to say I think the moral of what Trevor just went through is know what you're getting into. If you're going to buy land and do any sort of improvements to it, you need to talk to the decision maker ahead of time. Talk to the local experts, the civil engineering firm, which Trevor just outlined how to get in touch with, and know exactly what you're up against. Maybe you do want to go to the most stringent counties. Maybe you want to go to the easiest, but you need to know it ahead of time. That's the point I want to make
2: cuz it, it it's hard to scale this business no matter what it is you're doing whether you're doing flipping or subdividing for small subdivisions or you know some of the larger you know agricultural subdivisions that Trevor does where you know all of us in this business want to scale and expand you know nationwide and everything but I can tell you one street over to another street over and the markets that I'm in are the distinguishing factors between making a shitload of money on a deal and losing a shitload of money on a deal
0: that's another thing that I've noticed too. And again, the only reason that I'm able to scale is because I take less percentage of the deals, right? And I give more to people that are running it as project managers, right? Because that's one thing I have noticed is as most people get further along, they specialize. We specialize in certain areas. It doesn't have to be in their backyard. But just like Dan, like certain places of Florida, right? Like you're like this is my mm-hmm. spot, right? Especially right now, mm-hmm. you know when when it comes to building, right? You've got certain spots that you only like working on because it's your little baby, and you know it, good, bad, and ugly, and you got a team there, right? And so yeah, that I think I think scale to a lot of people means shotgunning. I think scaling is at least when it comes to what I do means finding the right people on the ground and then providing them with whatever they need. Because if you don't have people that you know, like, and trust on the ground that are incentivized to do great work,
2: you're just pissing in the wind. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and you know, let's expand on that a little bit. How have you become the person that your contractors and your investors can trust? You know, I know your family's been in the business for for a long time and you've been in the business for a while now too. Um, how do you feel like you've developed mm-hmm. your track record? Doing what I
0: say you're gonna do. I mean it's pretty freaking easy, right? And then yes. pay pay your contractors the day that the invoice hits. Uh, I mean just do do good work, right? Like say what you're gonna do what you say, you know, over deliver, under promise. I mean, I don't know, just be
2: a Business person, I don't know what else to. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Yeah, no, I. You're you're right on, and and the funny thing is that's a lot more rare and valuable than anticipated and expected, especially with how many people are involved in real estate at every level of the business. No matter how far you vertically integrate into, you know, from you know brokers to land flippers to um, wholesalers, uh, you know, if you can do business ethically, you can make money in any of the industries, but you just have to, you just have to do the right thing. And sometimes what that means is, you know, I'm, you know, I just sold a property this past week and, you know, my investors aren't going to make as much as they thought. And I'm paying them more, um, out of my profit just to make sure, you know, I I care more about the 10th deal than the first or second deal. And the more you can do stuff like that, the the better it's going to be. That is the
0: key to that absolutely yeah absolutely if you if you're not willing to if you're not willing to put other people in front of you if all you're trying to worry about is the scarcity and oh my gosh can I do this or can I can do that or one way or other, right like like Dan last, what was it last year you whatever yeah it was last year you know it came down and, and rode, rode around yeah. with you and things like this like if I didn't have any scruples I could have tried to steal every contractor I could have started marketing I could have started trying to build houses right like there are people that are that do that sure there are people that do that right like it sucks but like when you're again just what that was what was a beautiful thing what mason was talking about right like i'm more worried about the next 10 deals than i am this deal if you're always if you're always willing to put other people first because that's how people work you're gonna be you're gonna be just fine
1: Yeah, and there's a reciprocity to that, man. There's a reason why I I, probably all of us, if we need anything anywhere, anytime, there's someone we can call. And uh, so, yeah, putting relationships before the profit is really essential to having a sustainable long-term business. Yeah, that's a great point. There's plenty of money to go around. Um, But, you know, horizontal development isn't often talked about on podcasts, Trevor. So, you know, I'd love to hear a little bit on a more granular level, about the actual costs involved can we dive into that college station deal and talk through what putting in streets and roads actually costs what the numbers look like yeah here here's the deal most of our stuff is going to be a
0: all-weather road right like i don't have to go in and do chip and seal or anything else like that we're going to do a 24-foot road um you know it's going to be here's the funny thing where i'm at where we have like caliche pits and things like this we're almost always taking from the actual location it cost me very little it cost me like six bucks a linear foot to do that because I have the material on site Mm -hmm. college station is going to cost me nearly 70 bucks a foot because there is no material out there I'm going to have what would normally cost me about 60,000 bucks to build this road that I'm building it's going to cost me nearly $280,000. All right. So I wasn't expecting that when I bought it. I'm not going to lie. Um, Mm -hmm. The margins are so good. It doesn't really make any difference, but that's something that I was just like, holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I found it out during due diligence, but it's just one of those deals where like all the rock has to be brought in from way like in the hill country. And so there's just no rock out there. That's that kind of, that kind of product. Um, so I scrambled. I've got a guy that is using recycled concrete right now. Um, I have not seen that. I'm waiting for waiting for the quote on that, on that deal. But yeah. So this one we're gonna spend I think it's thirty seven hundred feet. We're gonna spend like two hundred and seventy-eight thousand bucks. Right, we're going to have to do some stabilization. Part of it's down in a, uh, a floodplain, so we'll have to do a little lime stabilization on that. Um, luckily, with these larger tracks, when it comes to power, that's another, That's another. those are the three things I always look at. Right, Access, I want paved access the best I can. I want power on site. I want water. Well, actually, the second one will be water, whether that's groundwater or rural water or public water. And then the third one will be power. Power needs to be on site, right? Um, So this one had all of those. That's why we ended up buying it. The power is with Blue Bonnet um, co-op. Most of these parcels that we work with out here are going to be a smaller co-op. Most of my tracks actually also, instead of having to bury them, uh, to trench everything, we can go overhead with two to three phase power. Um, No problem. Right now, I'm looking at, I think they're at $17.50 per layer foot. And they put poles every 350 feet. So, um, that's kind of the price there. I think we're at like 44000 for that. And then the survey is going to cost us about 12000 bucks to do. So, th- those, are, those are our real costs. Plus, we're going to pay brokers. Um I've got a pretty good one there in College Station. Um we'll pay them five percent on the sales plus, you know, you're gonna have two percent or whatever closing caught. You know, just just your, your normal cost on that. Um but yeah that's that's kind of our bread and butter when it comes to this. There are a couple water wells out there. If we have to drill one, that's another thing that we do. Um we don't always drill water wells or fence individual tracks it's something that we will do but well, well, the reason we don't do it beforehand is because one we don't know how many tracks somebody's going to buy sometimes these people will buy two or three tracks and put it all together we've also especially larger tracks you can drill a water well and run power to the spot you think is going to be the absolute best spot for a house or whatever and they don't want to use it there and you just wasted 30,000 bucks running power and drilling a water well you didn't even need right so that's something that you always say, hey, we're willing to fence and drill a water well for you, right? They can then wrap those improvement costs into their long-term financing. That's going to save them a lot of money, especially right now with high interest rates. That's that's a lot of value to a lot of people. Um, Keeps more cash in their pocket today. But yeah, that's that's kind of what, what we do. Um, actually, this one is probably going to be the first one I'm more than likely going to find there's two or three tracks that don't have a lot to them. And so I've got the guy that's actually going to build the road actually builds um, Bardominium. Are you familiar with those? Like the yeah. metal, right? I am going to basically say I will allow you to buy this from me. I'm going to do an owner finance with really no money down at 20000 bucks an acre. And he's able to build on top of that, and then sell it at a certain price point over the top, and then I get it this way. So this allows me, hopefully, with these interest rates and everything else, this allows us to make it a win-win with the home builder. He does have us buy the lot
2: over the top, It also hopefully helps us turn our our dirt a little quicker. I I love all that. I mean, it you know by by subdividing and making the individual you know you know lots cheaper you don't have to worry about the end seller financing component um you know and then doing something like that it's essentially you know outsourcing a vertical integration opportunity within your business of you're not having to build on it you're but you're guaranteed a sale on the land you're not going to have to deal with something sitting on the market because you know in college station and you know most of the markets land you know for for me has slowed down a, a little bit you know this past year um but i know for for sure new, new builds um they're not slowing down uh especially in a market like that um and then for this one did you have to do one of those water feasibility studies or since there were wells are out there already you didn't need to
0: not on not on this particular one okay. not not here and especially because even if i had to like these you're at like 130 feet and you're at like 30 gallons per minute right it's 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 not a Depending on where you're at, everything's at, and I still have, I don't have the exact deal here yet, but depending on the tier of your aquifer, they have tier one, which means they're not shit for water there, right? Tier two, tier three, and, and down. I know the tier ones apparently is, at least according to some of these guys, is going to be now a state law that you have to get this water feasibility study done. So depending on your game plan, you may have a uh, five or $600,000 in water
1: feasibility studies. So how the hell is that going to work? I don't know. Sounds like a great negotiating point, Trevor, <laughs> to get those purchase prices down. Well, and here's, I know. And then, yeah, and
0: because I had this long conversation with a broker buddy of mine, he's like, he's in an county that they just pat, changed a bunch of rules, and he was like, because people did bad jobs, right? Just slicing and dicing, raping and pillaging, you know, things like this day now he's like now I got to go back to my landowners and say hey man your property's worth twenty percent less than what it was yeah whether you like it or not and here's the hard part is there's no value no agricultural value for a lot of this stuff right like it's not row stuff in Iowa right like which is trades at a commodity price right you know what a thousand acres and of good of good corn right dirt is worth in Iowa out here you can't make any money raising you know sheep or goats or cows and so you can't make there's no basis on that and then your only buyer is a recreational buyer and the values have gone up and they can't afford a thousand acres they can fight afford 200 i mean kind of sucks they are stuck between a rock and a hard place um but as the developer you just got to make sure that your head's on a swivel
2: So what are your thoughts on the current land market, um, at least in the markets that you're in throughout Texas and Arizona and wherever else you said at the beginning?
0: Texas, Arizona, Oklahoma, Florida, all these places, right? Like, um, Things are going to continue to happen as long as people keep coming there. Jobs are going to be there. So the jobs are going to be there. The people are going to be there. The money is going to be there. It's going to continue to grow and grow. Um, I still think that there's really cool opportunities in some of these places that you've never heard of, right? Like outside of Kansas, like I get people that call me from, you know, my podcast and stuff like this are like, Oh man, I got this deal outside of Kansas city and this, this, and this. And like, you know, it's going to cost them like eight grand and they're going to make $400,000 on it. Right. And you're just like, "Huh, you know, but it's, it's amazing. The opportunities that are there, but things are definitely, it's just, Going to be slower with ten percent interest, man. It's freaking ridiculous, right? Like it's just it is what it is. Um, I still think that there's a really really good option, right, to buy stuff pretty darn cheap and to turn those into long term notes. Um, I think that's always going to be that option there. But as far as the as far as the country, you know, the the states that I usually work, there's a reason I work work them. It's because there's people moving there. And, and Trevor, I'm, not, I'm not smart enough to do anything else.
2: No, I mean it goes back to what we were talking about. Don't don't allow scope creep. You know, f- stick to what you're good at and get really good at it. And then, you know, give your money to other people that are good at other things. Um where do you get all these deals from? Are they all on market, off market? Um, and if off market, how do you how do you source them?
0: Um man, I've sent said- hundreds of thousands of pieces of mail over the years and everything, but most of my stuff is gonna be on market relationships. Um people that know me now, right? Like you start getting a little a little traction. They know that, hey, you know, even though I bring this deal, I'm gonna get paid one way or other, right? Trevor's not trying to screw me out of something. Um I think that's I think that's where a lot of this stuff comes from. Um but I think very few people actually make offers on properties. They're on market, especially if you see them, they're really high, right? You're like, dude, where the hell did they come up with this number? Watch it for six months and make an offer. You'll be amazed at what people will take.
1: Yep. That's that's such a good point. I hope everyone listening has taken note of that.
0: No, Basking don't. price helps. No,
2: don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, well I, I, everyone listening for all mine that are, you know, ridiculously high, just make an offer, man. I might accept it because- um, yeah. It's, It's one of those things where, you know, a lot of the markets that, you know, I'm in or, you know, Trevor, or Dan that we're in sometimes is there, there's a lot of speculation, you know, it's especially with the retail buyer, the builder, um, you know, we don't know what it's worth and the land broker doesn't know what it's worth. It's, you know, it's a unique product and that's sometimes where we make the most money and we just kind of throw down the market of whatever we think it is. So make offers, uh, the worst thing that happens is. Someone says no. Yep, that's that's it, man.
0: And, and you know, I haven't done this yet. I need to find somebody that, I may just have a buddy of mine that comes in and just makes offers on every 40, 35 to 40-acre parcel in eastern Colorado and see how many we buy at 50 cents on the dollar just on market, right? Like, <laughs> and just turn them into notes. Just, I may have to do that,
2: right? Dude, just be like, you, here you go. You can buy and well... Southeastern Colorado, I paid as little as, God, 25 bucks an acre for 35-acre tracks. I mean, it's uh, not much you can do with the It depends them. on where you farm at, them. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. But, um, man, yeah. Eastern Colorado, there, there's opportunity there. It's just Kansas.
1: Eastern, or there's, well, he's off-limits, but. <laughs> well, that's where you
0: got one. we are going to this sure. one a... I know like that's that's where that one's at so that'll talk to you about later so, yeah 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 but I mean I think that there's you know any any of these markets just you have to have a game plan right but I have a game plan like I don't just run around with an equity stick beating the shit out of everything right like I have a game plan that I can if it's the right deal I can pay 110 percent of market value and still hit my numbers if it doesn't have much cap eggs, if it's a Got water, rural water on the, at the road with tons of runnage and power down there. I may spend 10 grand to make $300,000, right? Yeah. I'll buy that all day long for market value. Um, but I have started doing some more of the, um, hired a, an American cold caller the other day. We're actually, I I had a call with him earlier today, kind of tweaking, twigging my script because they come from the house side and and they had experience and things like this but i'm like i don't need you to beat on these people right like i just need to see whether or not they need to sell i these are the counties that i know really well right like i just need them to be added to my sphere and my ecosystem and that's kind of where i need to be and i've done a terrible job with that i'm slowly getting better with it of I need as many landowners in these parts of the world to know that I'm here to help them. Right. I'm here to buy it. I'm here to do whatever. And then building, if I've got 10,000 landowners in multiple counties or whatever the hell it is that I really like, I should be able to market to them once a quarter and they know who I am and I'm here to help them. That's what brokers and things like this do very well. And not none of us do worth a shit. And that's where I've got to man up on that because after a year or two, right? It's just the, the, what is it? The rule of big numbers or whatever, right? Like there's going to be five, six, eight, ten 10 of them that want to sell in a year.
1: And all yes. I need, two or three yes. deals. to live I'm glad on. You said this. Yeah, <laughs> man. Yep. So he, great example. I've been marketing to Pueblo West Colorado since 2019. I have mailed every landowner call, call every landowner there dozens of times. And yesterday we got a, Twenty-five dollars to $30,000 lot at $8,000, right? Because she was ready to sell and we had been ever-present in her mind. So when she was ready to sell, she called us. So just like the brokers that bring you deals, Trevor, it's the same thing. They bring you deals because they know you're going to close, just like that seller called us because they've heard about front range land dozens and dozens of times. So that is such an important point when you have a market that's producing, mail those people, call them, whatever your marketing is, endlessly.
0: Yeah. And if you can, like, that's what the thing that I, I'm trying to do with the, uh, with the cold callers is like, I need an email address. Yeah. That way I just, you know, once a quarter, they get an email with, Hey, what's going on with Trevor and what's going on in your market. Right. Just like, just like an agent. I mean, I've got my license too. Right. Like, so I could potentially list it or whatever, but like, that's what you're trying to do is you're trying to build that, that sphere as big as humanly possible. Right. Cause that's only thing that I'm worried about. And that's comes from my personal scar tissue of having, you know, growing up on a ranch and having to see part of it sold off is because I know that most people, especially these older folks are dirt rich and cash poor. How can I help them? If they call me, I've got multiple different ways that we can both make it a win-win. That's where I'm at, right? And that's where I want to be. That's why I'm trying to get there. I don't want to be just this guy that runs around and says, I can only offer you 50, 60 cents on the dollar at top, right? Like, grow up a little bit. Let's become a little
2: more elegant. And, and ethical too. Of, you know, it's the idea, especially with the um, landowners that you're working with, of stewardship is so important for so many people and making sure that, you know, whenever they sell their land or give their land, that it's going to be made to be used in the highest and best use possible. And that's something cool about this business. Of-
0: well, but here's also, here's also, here's also the- yeah, here's the the flip on that, Mason. Just sorry to me to cut you off. But like, if you call me, I've got one, like, I can come with an option. I can still get you your number, right? Say we do a joint venture. I can keep that property in ag, even if it's maybe it's 35-acre tract, right? Maybe you got something on the West Slope, right, that a guy wants to sell you, right? We can still keep the the usability of that land, the production of that land, Instead of me having to come in and build condos on it for you to get your price, right, to the highest and best, maybe we can use it for the best usage based on what
2: you want as a landowner. So what if we we tell me and do it that way? Of not come in and, you know, gentrify and do that kind of thing of, you know, stewardship is just making sure that the land is taken care of and that we're stewards of it where, hey, you own a thousand acres. There's four people in the country that can buy that land. We'll subdivide it, keep it ag, you know, and I mean, you can actually create beautiful agricultural subdivisions that have, you know, open space and this beautiful, beautiful. I mean, my parents building on 35 acres in Pagosa Springs, ag land, you know, they have cows that run through their property now that are the neighborhood cows. And it's, uh, it's cool to be able to see. And I think that stewardship word is something that we can, we can all get behind. And especially, you know, the folks that are in the ag industry is a word that they really, really care about.
1: You guys make great points there. That deal I got yesterday, I got that deal because she goes, well, I just want to see this actually built on. And I've gotten a lot of mailers from people out of state, and I don't think they're really going to build on it. They're just trying to flip it. And I'm legitimately going to put either a two or four unit on that. And so she was thrilled. And she goes, yeah, I don't need to make much money on it. I bought it almost nothing. You know, I'll, Yeah, and that was her number. And so the reason I got that deal, just like as a corollary to what you're saying, is because I'm actually going to build on it. And so she was okay just doubling from what she bought it. So there's it. Yeah, this found Absolutely. money to
0: her, right? Like, yeah, for sure, for sure. And that's that's what's cool is I think it's in Riggs Rigsby or whatever. It's right on the Idaho side. It's just west of Jackson Hole and everything. I saw a deal the other day, and they've got five-acre tracks that they cut into, it, but they literally have, like, organic farming all around them. Right? Like, so, so you got like a five acre track, you got one acre with the house on it. And then the other four acres, which they're all together there, is there, it's a working farm. Right? And that's how they're keeping their ag numbers down. It's all this other stuff. And it looks cool because they got the damn Tetons way in the background. Right? And so you can see that you're part of this. Obviously, I'm sure you have to do things differently. You know, you're not dropping the the certain kind of insecticides or pesticides or, you, you know what I mean? Right in somebody's backyard. But like me... I live in a subdivision right next to Cottonfield. My two neighbors are cottonfields, right? And so I don't know. Um I think I think that I'm over this trying to shoot everybody in the foot. There's multiple different ways to make all kinds of money providing real value to landowners.
2: I love it. I love it. And the area you're, you're at, man, special place in my heart. I went dove and quail hunting out there all the time as a kid. Um so uh Tons of fun. Know the good people out there. Uh, probably last technical question for you, Trevor. As we start to wrap up this show, is um, with with the numbers. You know, you we we've talked about purchasing land anywhere from you know thirty cents to one hundred and ten cents on the dollar compared to market price. How are you able to go in and create the for, pro forma for a project and underwrite a deal from a financial perspective? Um, Or is it you that's doing it? Or do you have a team member doing it? And maybe what are some of those uh, numbers that you're looking at, whether from an IRR perspective or, you know, how do you underrate the deal?
0: Yeah. Um, usually whenever I come to a forced appreciation, I want a 50% rate of return on my money, simple rate of return before I really dive into shit. Right. So if I'm buying it for five, it needs to be worth 10. Um, Usually with what we do, we can usually at about 30 to 35% usually shows that I can hit over a hundred percent rate return when I use leverage, depending on the CapEx involved in the deal. But you, now, right now, I only want to do really good deals. Like I'm to the point where I'm like, I'm only going to do it if it's a hundred percent and then I'm, um, you know what I mean? So like that one in College Station, right? Like we'll be all in it just under 10,500 an acre and then the exit price at, or I guess it's yeah, ten thousand five hundred exit price at anywhere from twenty thousand to twenty two thousand, right? Like that's that's where I want to be, right? I want to be able to double my value. Um obviously it doesn't have to be that way if I know it's a really hot market, right? Like if I call Dan and Dan's like, Oh, son of a bitch, right? Like, yeah, we can turn these into thirty-fives and they sell for this in a hurry. You know, uh, that that that's a little bit different, but that's where I want to start off with. And then I use my own comps. I've got my, you know, the super high-end lands.com uh, deal where I pull my, a lot of my comps on that big kind problem. of stuff. And so I know kind of what the cost, costs are, yeah. Um, but, like, that and then I'm always calling the brokers around uh, that particular product, right, that, you know, I see one that's worth two, 200 acres. I'm going to call whoever's got the 10-acre tracks all around there and see what's going on over there. Right. Once once I kind of find an area that I that looks pretty interesting to me, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, and so I'm always trying to play by the 50% rule, and then I'll di- then I'll dive into it a little bit more. But to be honest with you, if it's just perfect, if I look at it and it's got all the frontage, it's got all the water, it's got all the power, I'm not worried about the price right off the top of the bat because anytime you do these calculations and you have very little to no capex, man it sure makes them a lot easier to, to take on, right? That It's a lot easier to take on um, just because your rate of return just goes to the roof, right? I'm
1: always going to try to shoot for 120% or better rate of return on my capital. Beautiful. And one quick question we didn't ask, time frame, like the college station deal. What's the time frame from closing to completion? From your lips
0: to God's ears, hell, I don't know, right? Like um, anywhere from it won't take us it won't take us very long to, to get it done as far as the subdivide like there's not a plating process involved we can do a meets and bounds okay um and so but okay say so you see you got to go through a plating process and say your your surveying engineering guys can get to it pretty quick you know say within a two or three weeks um you're looking at 90 to 120 days to get that done um but you can be building roads and, and things like that so you you may be probably 120 days from you buy it to where you can start kind of marketing it. And a lot of times that's just on you. And so it may take you, I talked to my dad and of course he does only like bigger, like recreational sell, you know, properties as far as the prices and getting sold out. And so he said most of his projects from the day he buys it to the day he sells it out, it's usually two years.
1: Okay. Okay. so not not bad not that long
2: that's fantastic and yeah i mean it, just to pull
1: you know i mean out of, you know i mean it just depends on
0: what you consider what you consider fast right
2: well and, and, and that's why looking at numbers you know from that simplified approach of just a cash on cash return and then convert that into an annualized return you know for the people that aren't good at finance and don't know what we're talking about if we're looking at npv and irr and stuff like that of you know if you're getting a 50% cash on cash return in six months, that's essentially a hundred percent annualized return. Um, so kind of break those numbers down in that way where, you know, Dan, Dan will have deals where it'll be, you know, 20, 30, 40% cash on cash return in 30 days, which you annualize that that's like 150 trillion percent annualized return. So, um, you know, break the numbers down based on what you're operating expenses are going to be or capital expenditures uh your debt service and all that and then look at it from an annual perspective and it might make you feel better um if you think you're only getting eight percent on a you know a six or a six week deal or something like that but uh trevor this has been a ton of fun um dan do you have any other questions for trevor or trevor any any last thoughts you want to say or anything that the viewers can do to help you in your business go ahead dan
1: well, I was just gonna say the biggest thing, I mean, we gotta give you a chance to talk about your podcast if you'd like to share. But yeah, any other closing thoughts you have as well. <laughs> dozens and dozens of
0: people listen. So my, my mom just puts us on replay all the time. That's uh she she has she signs in with different IP not- addresses to send me re- reviews. Um yeah, no, I mean podcast is uh land investing the dirt road to wealth. Um no BS, nothing cool. Um, but it's the straight dope. No- right? Like, just kind of like this conversation was. No, we're not here to sugarcoat anything. Um, The best way to help me or to help me help y'all is to reach out to me. You can either uh, shoot me an email at Trevor at GoWestLands, L-A-N-D-S dot com or give me a shout, 940- 736-8797. That'd be another thing I'd suggest to y'all, Mason, Dan, send us your number, dude. Like you have no idea, like how many opportunities you can have when you're just open and honest, right? And you're gonna spend a lot of time talking to people that have no idea what they're talking about. And that's okay, um, but if you got if you come across a seller that is in the state of Texas uh, or Oklahoma right now that's got some good road frontage that isn't just a complete a hole, um, you know anything probably sixty acres and above. Um, I'm here to help out any way we can but what i'm running right now is we're running overrides on a lot of stuff especially with new folks yeah you may make 10 to 15 percent uh with no money no credit anything else like that and kind of let you run run the deal and if you want to keep working together that's great if not you've got one underneath your belt and you've kind of built your team out there so
2: heck yeah uh, we'll make sure to put your contact info in the show notes. Um, I mean, to be honest, that's how I originally got a hold of Trevor, uh, found his phone number, uh, through the dirt road to wealth. And so, uh, gave him a call a little over a year ago to, you know, shoot the shit, talk land. He was on his way to go hunting, uh, whenever, uh, whenever I talked to him. So that is his cell phone number. Um, he will answer the phone. Um, Trevor, it's been fantastic having you on the show. Uh, ton of fun um tons and tons of information that you can take and utilize in your business um once again this is mason mcdonald and dan haberkost with the big picture blueprint we'll catch you guys next time and that's it for today's episode of the big picture blueprint if you found it helpful please share it with your friends or anyone you think that it could benefit don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and we'll see you in the next episode